what's life, work life, and home life been like with the shutdown? I mean, yeah, it's been it's been different uh, for sure. Is the the easiest the the nicest way to say, you know, I've always since. I actually was in high school. Like I was a get up and go to the office guy. Like even when I was in um, high school and college, when I was home, you know, my dad made me get up and go to the office with him. And whether I was just filing or answering the phones or whatever, uh, and so that's kind of ingrained in me. It's like you get up Monday through Friday, you take a shower, and you get in the office, and you know, abiding by state law and really wanting to to do our part. We, you know, we've bifurcated our, most of our office staff, and for me, I'm staying home and. You know, I have a seven, five, and three-year-old, and they're home. They're not in school. Um, and so finding quiet corners of my house um, to make calls or to do work has been a challenge. But we rolled with the punches, which is – it's nice. It's been – there's been parts of it that are really great where, you know, home for lunch and hanging out with the kids more. And, you know, you find pockets in your day where at work maybe I would be, you know – walking around the office, I get to walk around the house and hang out with the kids. And, um, and so that's been really great being home for dinner every night and cooking dinner with Maria. It's been, there's been a lot of joy out of that because I travel a good amount when, you know, we're not in a pandemic. Um, and so my schedule is kind of hectic. And so it's really nice to honestly just be home, but the work stuff has been, uh, Boy, it's been rough. There's a lot of stuff I won't get into. You know, of course, with our economy and it's affecting all these lending markets and things of that nature. So it's kind of a moving target. I work every day figuring out how to, to operate. Um, and then, of course, it feels like uh, what always happens when there's, when work is hard, we get hard clients too. And so um, as we are working through this uh, pandemic, sometimes... You know, we have people losing jobs and trying to, you know, work with them to figure out how to, you know, finish loans with people who are having less work or getting canceled from work. It's, it's been a tough. and But then sometimes you just get people who are just tough to deal with. And, you know, we get clients from referral partners, uh, which we greatly appreciate, of course. Uh, but so I don't have control over my clients. And sometimes who is my client? And sometimes, and most of the time, they're great. But it seems like it goes in batches where I get a group of, of clients that just, uh, they want to do it their own way, and, and it, it just makes for a lot of more handholding and frustration on our part. Yeah, difficult people are—they're not—they're not always fun. Um, there's people who—I mean, like I feel like I'm one of those people who are becoming more skilled at dealing with difficult people. Hmm. But that doesn't mean it's fun. That doesn't mean like you enjoy it. I mean, sometimes I like the occasional fight here and there yeah cause, oh yeah because i like doing that kind of stuff but but it's still not at its core it's still not fun difficult people i mean obviously you just gave the example from your line of work especially considering what's going on um and as a pastor i mean you know what that's like i mean there's 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 aspects of dealing with with difficult people or difficult situations that people are in that sometimes make them difficult um it's always, I mean, that's that's part of the job. Like yeah. that's that's an that's an ever present thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, how how have you been? I mean, like handling that. Yeah, it's 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 one of the things that's tough. Um, you know, our job is. I mean, you know, part of me, I've been trying to elicit in our employees every Friday. I send an email out like, "Hey, we still have jobs. 
hey, be happy. You know, in this weirdness, in this crazy time, like we're still working. Uh, we're not even looking at any kind of layoffs or furloughs or whatever those words are. So part of me is trying to keep a, a nice, you know, you know, front and, and have some appreciation for what's happening. But, yeah, it's tough when you deal with borrowers, you know, for us. Like my big thing is, you know, you get some borrowers that are uh, or, or clients that are just inconsiderate of your time. Like they want to talk to you at 6 o'clock when it's dinner time and, or they want to talk to you at 10 p.m. Or, um, you know, just I had a client yesterday that told me for three hours he'd call me in 30 minutes. And so every, so every, I'm like, I want to hang on with the kids. I want to do this, but I don't want to miss the call. And I want to be in the middle of something. So I was like waiting and I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready for your call. Oh, 30 more minutes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And just really inconsiderate. And like, when you get in those situations, especially with people who are inconsiderate and you know, they always want to talk at four o'clock or five o'clock on Friday. And you know, the call is going to just be not the most exciting. You kind of want to you know, part of your psyche is like, what if I just shot him an email? I was like, Hey man, Hey, you know, family, this, this is what we can do. Let me know if you like this. And, you know, just to avoid the conversation, kind of almost have like a, like a Jonah approach to it. Be like, I know I'm supposed to call you, but what if I just, you know, I feel like if Jonah had email, he would have just emailed them. I'm like, Hey, y'all need Jesus. Like, if you have any questions about that, I'm going to be over here. Shoot me an email back and I'll walk you through it. Like, he didn't want to go down there. (laughs) So he was trying to find the easy way out, which back in that day was just to not do it at all. Yeah. But to me, it's just, you know, it's that fight to be like, you know, customer service and and consistency and service is important. Even when the client is going to put you through the ringer, is going to, you know, end up not listening to you and making the process just harder than it should be. Yeah. Um, It feels like, too, they, they come in batches not one client it's like four clients in a row all at the same time and so you're just like man i'm really just every call is just a uh you know just being put to the ring or so well you use the word inconsiderate and i know that some of those people are being inconsiderate but in reference to like my line of work i don't think that because i have the exact same thing right i have people sending me an email texting me do you come do you have a few minutes i need to talk to you you know like i mean i had a really serious situation three nights ago with a student um, and I got a phone call and as soon as I saw the phone call and it was after, it was at a time when I was like, there's no way this person would be calling me if it wasn't serious. And that had nothing to do with inconsideration. That was like, that was a serious situation. Yeah, it's an emergency. And so there was aspects of it where like, you know, someone asked me the other day, like, well, so what have you been doing? Like with the stay at home, like you've been just kind of, taking it easy and i was like taking it easy dude i'm working almost harder in ways than i have before this whole thing happened because i'm writing devotionals i'm sending out emails i'm answering phone calls i'm counseling over the phone i'm having zoom meetings and google meet meetings and Mm -hmm. and all of these things excuse me and it's in a way that i'm not used to i'm not used to doing it in those formats and people are hurting for a variety of reasons so it's not that they're being, for me, on our end of things, it's not that they're being inconsiderate. Yes, there's a handful of people that's always, mm-hmm. they're not going to stop and think like, oh, I could have waited until tomorrow to to talk to him about this instead of 11 o'clock at night. Yes, that happens. But but I think in in my case, it's, it's that. And like you said, it would be nice if you were kind of like, hey, here's a list of things. Here's this email. We'll catch up in a couple of days. Go do this and then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, almost like, like a doctor would. Like, hey, you know, go take two of these and let's see each other again in a month. But it doesn't 
It doesn't always work that way. Um, and you are called to go minister to people in a way that you don't always like and to places that you don't always want to go to. You referenced Jonah. I mean, it's, that's right up that alley. So it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, similar to us, you know, it's funny. We're always, you know, finding through lines between our occupations, our professions. Um, The difference generally is I'm doing it for monetary gain and you're doing it for like salvation gain, (laughs) like kingdom gain. So I I guess, yeah, he's on the nonprofit side. I'm on the for-profit side, if that makes any sense. Um, but it's funny you kind of see the same person or the same attributes from from different things like pop up and you know we we laugh about like Jonah and stuff but you know I, I feel like so so often we have uh, his mentality uh, you know I, I view my company as a truly as a ministry too um, what I mean by that is uh, you know ethically speaking. But also just in our goal to help people, you know, a lot of times we're helping them out of a bad situation, a poor situation, or just they were in, uh, you know, because of job loss. Or sometimes, a lot of times it's like my spouse had cancer for three years. We ran up all this debt because she couldn't work and we were just trying to make it happen and, and, and keep everything together. And now we're on the other side of it. We're happy, but boy, do we have all these, you know, scars that we need to help out. And so... A lot of times, you know, there's a lot of enrichment that I get to to feel from my work, um, and I love it. You know, and, and my and my wife will attest to that. Like I, I I spend a lot of time being very intentional about it. But there's the other times when it's like I'm really helping these families out of a bad situation, and then they're not, they're not appreciative of it or recognizing <laughs> that it's like. You're on the edge about to fall off the skyscraper, and I am trying to tie a rope around your waist, and you're telling me, you know, do you have another color rope? You know, what I, mean? I don't want to, you know, you know, I know I'm helping. You're helping me do this, but could you maybe, you know, could you maybe cut your feet? Could I get a better interest rate? Could you do this for me? And it's like, boy, I'm saving you from demolition, and you're mad about the the smallest things, or yours, you're, you're you know making it tough and. Those are the people that sometimes I feel like, in my flesh, like I'm even mad. I'm helping you, like you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. you should be happy. Why am I? Why am I feeling like, like garbage helping somebody that really is is in a bad way? And you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like, like I have that. You can have that Jonah spirit of it, and like in your mind, you're like, I should help them, but you know, wouldn't it be better if they just when? had to file for bankruptcy <laughs> and like, away. see, I yeah. was right, like. Yeah. You know, just for the, the the ego of it or just the, the you know, from my perspective. So, yeah. man, so, it's tough. So, Jonah is, is A, one of my favorite um, books of the Bible and stories. Uh, fun fact, I don't know if, if anyone knows this, but Jonah is actually the very first book of the Bible that I studied inductively. So, what that means is, is like, broke down every single passage, every single phrase, every single word, all the history, all the stuff. That's the very first book that I did that with, which as I think now, um, being in ministry where I am now, I'm not sure why I did Jonah first. Uh, I took this class and it was an inductive class and they were like, Hey, pick a book, pick a book of the Bible. And I just picked Jonah uh, just randomly. Um, it wasn't the easiest book to do that with, but 
but that was the very first book that I did that. So that's a fun little fact. But it's also one of one of my one of my favorite books for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is the story of Jonah really reminds me of myself. Um, and so most people are familiar with the story of Jonah. It's one of the most iconic stories in the Bible. So we have Jonah. He's a prophet. Uh, God tells him to go to Nineveh to preach to these people. He says no, and he hops in a boat and literally goes in the opposite direction towards Tarshish. Um, and then God puts him through the ringer. There's a storm. Um, the other people on the boat was like, you're the one causing the storm. They threw Jonah overboard. Jonah is drowning. He prays and asks God to save him. God chooses to save him by sending a great fish to swallow him up. He's in the belly of that fish for three days. The He repents. The fish spits him up uh, on land. And he goes to Nineveh and he preaches. And that's the first three chapters. And that's the, that's the, that's most of what, uh, that's, that's the part of the story of Jonah that most people know. The part of the story of Jonah that most people don't know actually takes place in chapter four. So after chapter three, he preaches, people in Nineveh receive the gospel. They start to make changes. Well, in chapter four, Jonah actually gets mad. He is mad at God for saving the people. And he actually leaves the city. He's sitting in the gate. And he literally says this. He's like, I'm mad at you. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm mad at you, God, because I knew you would save these people. This is why I didn't want to go in the first place. This is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh, because I know your grace would have been, your grace and love would have been, and mercy would have been so to where these people would have been saved. And the thing is, the people of Nineveh, they were savages. They, they were not nice people. They They fought dirty. They treated their own mean. They treated all the other people around. And the Bible says that Nineveh was a great city. So we're talking about a, a, a lot of people here. So it's so in chapter four, Jonah gets mad. And he's like, God, see, this is why I didn't want to go. This is why I ran. Because I knew if I went and I shared you with them, that you would be gracious and merciful. And that's a, that's a head scratcher to think like, wait a second. Jonah's a prophet, a guy who loves the Lord. And he is kind of like, you know what? I know these people are so difficult. They don't deserve you. I'm not, I don't want to go. So it's funny you bring that up about difficult people in a time like this when we need to be sharing those things, which is a similar thing at that time. And, you know, the story ends by Jonah. Uh, God, Jonah is sitting in the sun. God, God shows grace and mercy to him by, by allowing this plant. It says that this, this great plant shaded Jonah. And then the next day, God lets a worm eat the plant so that the plant is no longer shading him. It says that the sun and the wind beat on Jonah and he complains. He's like, God, what happened? Why'd you take my plant away? And he mourns the death of the plant. And God's like, wait a second, you're mourning the death of the plant, but you're not, you weren't willing to mourn the demise of hundreds of thousands of people in this city. Like what, what's, what's the deal? So it's just interesting mm -hmm. that that's the part of the story that, that a lot of times that as a pastor, I resonate with because I've had those moments when I'm sent to go deal with a difficult person or someone's recommended to me and they're difficult or you preach and you preach and you preach and you're like, these people aren't getting it. And you wrestle with like, do they even deserve it? Should they, should they get it? And obviously those are fleeting thoughts. Sure. Those don't last very long because I, you know, my, I, I have a heart for people and a heart for the gospel and I want people to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. But sometimes you feel that way. Sometimes, like you just said, like, you know what? Maybe you should get bankrupt. Maybe you should see what it's yeah, feel like. Go, you need to go through the pain first before you get the pleasure of, you know, maybe salvation or, you know, from my perspective, like financial stability maybe. Um, and, yeah, it's got to be, you know, 
that is our flesh, uh, you know, and that's the tough thing that's that I I know I struggle with because I, I'm just not a nice person sometimes. Like it just might when I'm in that mode, I have that uh, uh, I have that personality trait where man, I I just get angry at people and and, and you know. I look at what they're doing or what they're in the midst of, and I can flip this over to you. Like we both grew up in the, in the church. So like my, my, my dad was on staff on and off paid and unpaid staff his whole life and still is, you know, whatever he's doing, my parents are. Um, and so brought up in the church. And so church was a non-negotiable thing in our life. And, and so relationship with God and wrestling with, how to have a relationship and how to grow and, and be a person and all this stuff is hard. And so we have, I know I can speak on my side, like it's hard to be a good Christian all the time. It just is like you just, and so you go through the battles, you go through the valleys and the peaks and, uh, and you're sitting here at 35 or 36 and you're like, man, I got a family, I got a job, you know, we're, we're doing the right things. My wife is amazing. We're in church but it's been really hard to get here. And you see somebody that, you know, maybe comes to church is like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, my story is that, you know, I did this. I wasn't really in church. I wasn't a bad person, but whatever, you know, maybe I got a lot of money and, you know, life looks really easy. And then all of a sudden they get saved. And you're like, but wait, you didn't have the, str- like, you get to have the kingdom now too. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I look at my resume, like your mine's six pages long and yours got one line, like Jesus saved me and we got the same job going forward. Like, yeah, yeah. and so like, how does it for you? Like, that's for me as this like person in the pew. Like I see that and I get, I don't want to say jealous, but like you feel in your flesh, like, ugh, like, you know, you haven't had the, the battles yet. What is it like for you to deal with, um, families, people, couples who, man, really just test your, your heart is the, probably the best say, way to say. Yeah. So the initial part of these people or this person came to saving faith, that part is incredibly exciting and it is, it's, it's the best part of the job. You know, like using, you know, calling it a job. It's the best part of the call is when somebody comes to the saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. Like when they, when they, when they accept salvation, I think the difficult part is after that, sometimes it's easy for people to stop there and say, okay, you know what? I'm saved. I'm going to spend eternity with Christ. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Like that's, they stop and the work stops. And because the work stops, then the growth stops. And because the growth stops, then they start to move backwards. And at first it doesn't feel like they're moving backwards. It doesn't feel like that. You know, like the, the backward movement is, is microscopic. Um, and it's so microscopic that it feels like it's, they're just in place but they don't realize that they're actually starting to move backward. And when they start to move backward, that's where it becomes difficult because a lot of times the expectation is, Hey pastor, I'm not doing well and I need you to help me do better. Fix me. me, Yes. 
And sometimes I've actually had people brazen enough to say, I'm not doing well because you aren't teaching me mm -hmm. right. I've actually had people say that to me. Like, you need to teach me better. That's why I'm not growing. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, like in the moment, my flesh wants to react and say something that is not nice. Yeah. And I try my best not to do that. But that has nothing to do with me. Yes, I have a call. And yes, my responsibility is to teach in a clear way so that people are, you know, moving closer to who who God is. And But they, but they have a responsibility. I'm, I'm responsible for getting them to a certain point. And then they are responsible, you know, to move forward from there. So I've had that. So it's difficult. Like you talk about having the Jonah feel. Mine isn't always in reference to like, I don't want to go share these people, share the gospel with these people. They don't know it. Sometimes it's like, you know what, God, I'm not saying that again. That's it. I'm not saying it again. I've said it 60 times now. I've been on staff eight years and I preached other this portion of scripture four times and I've done it the best I could. And it's really clear. And it was recorded video and audio i wrote the notes i sent out the notes i gave them all the homework i filled in all the blanks i'm not saying it again mm -hmm. i'm not doing it again if they want it they can go online and find it i'm not saying it again i'm not having another coffee meeting nope i'm not doing it because i've done everything that i can and you know what maybe they should feel it maybe they should feel what it feels. and that's where like my my negative attitude like jonah's attitude kicks in it's mm -hmm. it's afterwards it's when someone asks me again hey how do i do this thing again when i've already taught through that or met with them and and honestly i even though that that is a difficult thing and i wrestle with that it doesn't i'm thankful that it doesn't last very long mm -hmm. i don't stay in that but it is a it's a it's a it's a, <clears throat> it's an emotional process that repeats itself quite often and and I'm trying to mature to a place where it's repeated with longer periods of time in yeah. between. Um, but I totally understand that. I, I totally understand hearing from God, hey, go and say this to these people. And your knee-jerk reaction is, nope, I've done that already. I'm going the opposite way. And I know if I share this, you're going to be so gracious with these people. And I don't have that level of grace. I'm not God. I'm not you. So you say it to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Instead of being like, no, God is using me to do this. So it's... It's after the fact. It's not the saving grace part. It's it's in the work part. And it's different. It's different in sections. It's like the emotions are different when I'm dealing with couples. The emotions is, is different when I'm dealing with men. The emotions are completely different when I'm dealing with, with college students. Yeah. It's, it's different when you're talking to parents. So you have to wrestle with all of that and put and kind of like get yourself in line so that you still do what God's calling you to do. Yeah, it seems like it's, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Like, uh, part Jonah, and maybe even part Paul, like, you know, after he established all the churches in Romans, and then he spends the rest of the Bible kind of like, hey, remember when I told you to do that? Like, why aren't you guys doing it anymore? <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, when I told you to do that, like, uh, you guys never started doing that? And now you're wondering why things aren't working well? Like, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think of it from your perspective, and sometimes even my perspective, more on you, but like, being a mechanic and and somebody brings their car, which is themselves, to you. And they say, ah, you know, I don't know what's wrong. There's like a buzzing going on here and a little bit of this. And it feels like, you know, something's wrong. And you, you pop the hood and you go, actually, you know what? You need to replace. You repl and I'm not a car guy, so whatever. You're going to, we got to replace your carburetor, whatever that is. <laughs> and the guy goes, I don't think it's the carburetor. I think it's my windshield wipers. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm really 100% sure, like, we need to be working on 
replacing this or, or fixing this. And he's like, you, you know, what if I just rotated my tires? Would that make it go away? And you're like, you know, you're kind of in that bargaining state. That's what's frustrating. Um, for me, a lot of times with people, they have these uh, 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 sacred areas where they don't really want to give up. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about somebody and you're working on like a budget with them and you're like, you know, you make this much money. Right now you're spending this much money. We gotta, we gotta move the budget around to get you in a better position. And you know, no, you'd be surprised if people are like, I like to go to lunch every day and buy lunch, and that's in my budget. It's like, wow, man, you're spending four hundred dollars a month on that, and they can't think to pack or, or cut it in half or whatever. And so I see it on my side. I wonder, like, for you, like we said with the like more like Paul, like the frustration of having a couple, you know, or a person who's saved and in under your leadership and under your um, teaching continue to come back with either the same issue that you have, which we all do that. Like we all, our sin nature digs in in certain areas. So we always struggle with specific things, um, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of times it's like I'm back in the same place. It's not always like you don't spring the same, you spring the same leak. You don't have a bunch of different leaks all the time. And right. so, like, how, what is it like when somebody comes back with the same thing and, and either is unaware of it or just is like, don't make me change that? Mm-hmm. Or what's it like when they say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just unhappy in my marriage. And you're like, after some counseling, like, it's this that we need to work on. And they're like, yeah, but I, I, I got to play softball every weekend. Like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I got, I got, I got the boys. Like, they're going to kill me if I can't. Yeah. And, you know, how frustrating that has to be. It's like, I'll do anything but the thing I need to do. And, you know, that the the attitude that you have to have of kind of be like wading through that and be like. Yeah. So I am in my 14th year of ministry. So, yeah, that's right. 14th year of ministry. And if you had asked me that question in year three, my answer would have been very much like, these people are dumb and they're stupid and I know the Bible and here it is and I'm just going to, I'm going to chisel it into them whether they like it or not. All right. Like that, that's the young, that's the young pastor answer. That's the young whippersnapper answer. That's the, I spend hours on end studying this book and I'm ready to like, I'm ready to just like, here's my degree. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready to just, I'm just ready to throw it at you. Um, so that's the. That's the really immature pastor answer. And I'm so thankful that I had very few of those opportunities <laughs> when I was a young pastor. And that was God shielding me from from my own self. So I'm very thankful for that. Today, and this is going to sound selfish, but it's not. So hear me out. And it's going to be a long answer. Today, how do I deal with that? The answer actually starts with myself. Because as I mature... In faith, as I mature in understanding, as I mature in Bible knowledge, the most frustrating thing about being a pastor is, one, I'm learning that I am those people. And two, I, the more I care about getting people to God and back to God, the more I'm losing in my flesh my ability to not care. So 
obviously you and I are friends and you know part of my personality is I I'm skilled at like I don't really care anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just be done with you. Mm-hmm. Um and that's not a great thing. I'm not I'm not I'm not like saying that as like a I'm not wearing that as a badge of honor. It's yeah. a terrible thing. Um so how do I deal with that? The first thing is I now today 14 years in, I start by looking at the aspects of those people that that I have. How have I done the same thing over and over? And how have I gotten out of it? You know, talking about where we are right now, I just, I wrote a devotional, I emailed it out to to our church members about this whole shutdown and the whole COVID thing. And I had a, I had a knee-jerk reaction, but then I was like, you nope, let me pause and let me do the mature reaction. And let me do the thing that I know for a fact in myself first, not as a pastor, that I'm responsible to do. And I went and did that thing. And as soon as I started to do it, it was easy for me to translate that into pastorship. So when someone comes and they're like, I, okay, I don't want to do this, or I need help in my marriage, or, hey, how do I do this again? And I've already said that to them. I stop and think, okay, how have I grown out of a situation when I repeated the same thing over and over again? And what did the Lord use in my life to get me over the hump? That's the thing I use for them. And I care now. I care, and not that I didn't care before, but I care way more now than I ever have. And my ability to not care is going away faster than it was before. So... I'm, it, it really is motivated by, I, I really want these people to get it. I want to get it. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want them to live a life that's pleasing to God. So that means I have to have this conversation over and over and over. I have to make sure that I'm being patient. I have to pray and ask the Lord to give me wisdom, to give me the right words, knowing to say, you know what, let's not talk today. Let's talk tomorrow because I know within myself, I don't have what it takes to accurately walk them through a conversation. So it's putting myself in that position and using what I've learned and how I've matured to help those other people. And yes, the flesh still kind of creeps in. And there's times when I behave like Jonah and I straight up just ignore a phone call or I say to myself, no, I'm not saying that again. But you know what happens? I say, I'm not saying that again. I ignore a phone call. 15 minutes go by and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, let me email them back. Let me call. Let me carve out some time. So that's, that's, that's how I wrestle with that. That's how I go through that. And I think it's cool. And you look at that story of Donnie, you could see that, you know, you can, you can see him wrestling with it because when he gets to Nineveh, I mean, he preaches fire. It's not like Mm -hmm. he just haphazardly does it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just say, all right, God wants me to do this. I ran away. I almost drowned. I was in the belly of a fish. Fine. I'll do this. So God gets off my back. He's like, I mean, he, he, he goes hard. And even after he does, he's still gets to a place at the end where he's like, man, I still kind of wish I didn't do that for these people. But then obviously we see he comes full circle again. So that's what that's like. Yeah, for me, like, it reminds me of um, one of my favorite um, preachers, speakers, whatever you want to call them, orders, um, is Matt Chandler and um, out of Texas. And and uh, I it just, what you said harkens back to one just very specific anecdote that I've always remembered that he said was, and he applied it to something different, and I'll make sure I do the anecdote right, and then I'll transition it to what we're talking about. But he was talking about as as a husband, um, you know, he's a pastor of a, what would be considered a mega church, so he's got staff and multiple sites, and uh, you know, he writes books and he's on boards, so he's got a 
full plate of ministry, probably three full plates of ministry um, at any given time. But at the end of the day, when he drives home, he's still dad husband. And, you know, in his flesh, he's like, I want to come home and be like, everybody leave me alone. I need to, daddy needs, you know, to go do this or, you know, just everybody be quiet because I need to just come down from everything that I've done today. And I walk in the door and my wife is like, uh, I've had these two children running or circles around me all day. You need to take over. And there's this internal struggle of like, um, you know, whose fault it is or who, who needs to do this. And I know this doesn't seem like it's on topic, but one of the things he said is an application. And, and this is what I love about him is his simplistic way of looking at things. He said, you know, what's helped him is literally he's like, I pull in the garage and before I get out of the car, I just say a little prayer to God and be like, God, I have no energy for this family. I don't want to, I don't want to play dolls. I don't want to cook dinner. I don't want to do anything but watch ESPN for another hour and a half, take a shower, go to bed. Give me an hour, God, like give me a boost for an hour that I can do the right things for my family and, you know, have that resiliency to get to the finish line. And then I know that I'll have, be able to relax at the end of the day. And similar to this, you know, I've sometimes employed like a little bit of that too. When I have a client, I got a call, you know, it's a really good little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for practice to do just to have a little short prayer. Like God, this guy bothers me. This family is a lot. And I know this call is going to be really frustrating. Lord, just, just temper my soul. I'm not going to ask you to change their attitude. I'm asking you to just prep me up for a little bit of a storm here and, and give me some patience and I'll get through this. And, and I think a lot of times like for people dealing with tough situations, having like their, we'll call it their Jonah moment. Um, that short prayer a lot of times to me, every time I, I remember to do it just gives me like a, like a pause and a breath, breath of fresh air. And I go, okay, I can do this. This isn't that big of a deal. Cause I know Satan is wanting to, when I feel the pressure, he wants to add 20 more pounds of pressure on top of that to make it feel like it's too much. And so, you know, to me, that's, you know, that's what helps me get by when I have a tough situation, um, that I'm heading into maybe, you know, a financial plan is falling apart because of something that is unforeseen and I have to deliver bad news. Um, and when that happens, it's not great. It's not exciting. You know, I'm sure in the counseling world, delivering bad news or delivering harsh criticism or opinion is not exactly like an exciting thing. And so, you know, prepping your heart to be in the right place, boy, does that do so much. And I, you know, that is something I always try to remember. I don't always do it, of course, but I, when I do remember it, I just feel like having that little time, you know, really allows me to, you know, get in the right frame of mind and, and accomplish the goal and get done with it without having too much drama. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the from the pastor side of things, there are so many times when you know what to do, but you don't always know how to do it. And you you referenced that thing about my channel. It's funny, I, I do the same thing, just in a different way. I try to think of myself as when I'm on my way home that I'm on my way to work because that's where the work really starts. It starts with my my family first. 
and then you know being being a pastor is a part of my call and and a part of my mission and and that's helped me thinking about it that way but you you mentioned you mentioned that prayer like okay you know what lord i need this i, I need this for this moment i need wisdom give me the right words well you know we're we're talking about jonah and he does the same thing and that's why you know i said it comes full circle in chapter two he says and this is a quote he says i called out to the lord out of my distress and he answered me and then uh later he says um <laughs> he says i remembered the lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple so it's the same thing like he did he did the same thing he's like okay you know what i'm in the midst of something that is part of my fault because I ran away. I should have just done what God was telling me to do. And now I just need to call out to him. Like, how do I do this? I need, I need your help. Save me. Um, prepare me for what it is that I, that I need to go do. And I think that that's the thing that we forget or I forget. And I think some people forget about being a pastor or being a Christian business owner like yourself. Like it's, I think sometimes we think I could do this on my own or this is what this person deserves or I'm not going to say this. Or I'm not going to do that. And we forget that God has a plan that we can't see. And um, we just need we just need to do what he is asking us to do. Mm -hmm. And, and we said this at the beginning uh, just a few moments ago. Like what makes this harder is difficult people. And you, you just get caught in your feelings. And you get caught in a sin mode. And sometimes you just don't feel like a difficult person deserves your help. Uh, but the reality is if we didn't have difficult people, then we wouldn't be better ourselves if every single person i pastored was easygoing and smooth then i don't know how great of a pastor i would end up being i'm not saying that that means you should make things difficult just because you feel like you're gonna help me be better <laughs> but no, yeah. but but i think that's that's part of it i mean and if we think about what's going on right now it it creates a different type of difficulty there are some people where the situations are difficult like they're not being difficult. The situation makes it difficult. And you talked about having some of those phone calls. Yes, I know that you have a handful of people that are straight up being difficult. And so do I. But the situation right now is difficult. So people are panicking. Their response is different than it normally would be. They're wrestling with the stuff. I mean, I had a conversation with a really close friend. And I was like, what, what's going on? You okay? And they were like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, and I'm like, what is it? And they're like, this is going to sound really stupid, but I miss going out to eat. It's what I did all the time, and I haven't done it in a long time, and I'm mad about it. And, and then it's like you just think about, like, okay, like, that's how do I pastor that? The easy thing would be, like, stop being mad about it. Yeah. It is what it is. It's going out to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... But the situation is difficult, and there's a way to there's a way to navigate and help people through difficult times. So, you know, just kind of thinking about Jonah, thinking about those parts of of pastoring that people don't often think about. I don't always want to help everybody. Sometimes my flesh is like, you know what? You deserve the difficult stuff. You know what? I'm not teaching them this. I'm not saying it to them. You would call me on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, of all people. Seriously, you would call me yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, of all people, of course it would be you. Um, so that happens, yeah. but I'm thankful that if in myself and almost all pastors that I know, those moments are fleeting and we end up going back to doing what God has called us to do. And that's motivated by God. We're skilled by God. And that's, that's not always because we have 
some internal ability to do it. It's just because we we're being obedient and God gives us what we need to do it. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, I know it's simple. Um, a lot of times, it makes me think of you know Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots um, in the NFL, and and uh, you know he has a really simple motto: it's like do your job. And you know the the eloquence of it is the simplicity of it is that kind of like to remind ourselves just do your job like as pastors as business owners as husbands as dads like excuse me do your job and you know so many times you want to be like well yeah but this guy's a jerk or well yeah but you know what i didn't we had a tornado warning last night and i was up till three in the morning or yeah but you know my wife doesn't really get how hard my job is or you just have these Satan just knows knows your cracks knows your your weaks areas and knows how to just you know introduce conversations to yourself where it's like man you shouldn't have to do this you know what you sh- you should be able to call that person on Monday or you should be able to just you know you know ignore that or or you, you have the right to be mean to that person. And, and, and you know, is that your job? You know, and, and, you know, as we talk about this, like, with God was really direct with Jonah in that story. Like, do your job. Like, I'm not asking you to do something that I didn't tell you was your job. You're a prophet. So your job, <laughs> prophet, meet people who don't know me, talk about me. I'm going to show up too, and we're going to put work in. And Jonah's like, well, yeah, you know, I want to do that, but I don't want to go there. So, uh, and you start bargaining. And God, you know, in his vision, and, you know, I hate to to make Bill Belichick a deity because, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people hate the Patriots. It's just our fan. He let go of my, my boy Tom Brady, who's, you know, you know, being a Michigan fan isn't my guy, but... You know, the simplicity of that is, man, do do your job. And sometimes you got to remind yourself, like, this is your job. Like, I, I'm compensated for this. I have a company. Um, I have all the reasons in the world to do this. I have a few reasons why I don't want to, and all those are selfish. So, man, like, reminding yourself to do your job. So, you know, the story of Jonah and, and you know, and we roped in, some stuff in the New Testament, it's, it's, God didn't call us into where we are or anybody for it to be easy. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, I'm sure you can even share dozens, if not more stories of the fact that you finally got through the, or the breakthrough happened at, you know, meeting six or the, or, you know, the breakthrough happened after, Backslide number four, or, or year six. Yeah, and the 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 excitement, the you know, you know, the pride that you even have personally for those situations that you do just do your job and you take your 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 personality out of it, where God then shows up in the diff in the gaps yeah. and changes people's lives. It's like. You get that reminder like, oh, yeah, I am an idiot. Mm. Oh, yeah, I am just being a baby. Or I am just stressed out. Or I am, you know what, off 
off focus right now, yeah. and that's why I'm mad more than yeah. the fact that these people are just not my cup of tea. I think I think the best way or good way to kind of like wrap this up and to think about like the moral of it is if we're gonna give it like a you know a tagline, I think it would be don't run, be nice, trust God, do your job. Yeah. And I hate, you know, you hate that it's so simple. And, you know, you read, I know I've read a lot of books. You read, you read a lot of books. And from biblical perspective, or sometimes for me, I, I read a lot of just like, you know, those corny business books or whatever. And sometimes I get a little annoyed by them because it's the, the topic is like, well, what if you just... What if you just got up every day and worked hard? Yeah, it's always something like really it's simple. never like. Well, what's the secret here? Well, okay, well you go to this tree and you get this bark and you bury it and then all of a sudden you have leads. It's always you read these books and it's like you know what I do every day? I get up at six, I work out, and then I do this, I do that, I call ten people, I set up meetings, and then I follow through, and that's why I'm a millionaire. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's easy. It's like, and then you do it for two weeks, and you go. Oh wow, I am getting more response than I was, and you know it's it's always that like do your job or like hey, it, it isn't a mystery. Like the great thing about the Bible is the simplicity of like God saying like pray, read your Bible, yeah, you know talk to me. I will I will I will put vision in your life, and then just follow it yeah. and trust me. Like right now, in the storm that we're in right now just trust me yep. and the simplicity of that is really frustrating when you're in your flesh and you're like trust you did you read this email i just got trust you like when are you sending me an email god yeah. like when are you telling me it's gonna be okay and yeah. it's tough well i think that's a challenge i think that's a challenge for us and i want to oppose to everybody is yes things are difficult and they're different they won't be difficult all the time this won't be forever but Try, try the simple thing of of just doing what God is calling us to do and doing your job and doing it well and doing it with, with a smile and, and just watch the results. So, you know, just like we said, don't run away from the challenge. Um, be nice every time that you have a chance to interact with people. Uh, trust God and do your job.